0: Hello everyone. I am Shannon Hernandez, the Writing Whisperer, and I am so excited about our branding call uh, this month. These have actually been so popular that I've uh, booked two a month from November, uh, October, November, and maybe December. December gets a little crazy with the holidays, but um, I am so happy uh, we have with us today Jay Stone, and I'm going to tell you just a little bit about her. right before we get started. But first, if you are new to my community, uh, the Writing Whisperer community, I want to send you a big, big warm welcome. Uh, We talk all things content, branding, and how to grow your business through the use of strategic content, whether that's blogging, email newsletters and campaigns, uh, social media posts, and really how to engage your audience uh, so that you can be known as a personable brand, not a brand without a personality. So um, we are going to get started. I have with us today Jay uh, Stone. And we met online, I believe, if my memory serves me correct. We somehow found each other in the Twitter sphere uh, a couple years ago, I would say. And we eventually hopped on the phone last year and just kind of did an introduction. We both are really passionate about branding. And since I do branding with all things content, uh, it's been nice to have some guests on the show that either share that same vision or they do something completely different in the realm of branding because the honest truth of the matter is if you're a business owner, branding is a great, big, huge bubble, and we can't avoid it. And the sooner we embrace it and we you know get help with the parts that we're not strong at, the, the stronger our brand will be. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Jay Stone. She calls herself an emotional nudist, which we're going to hear all about that. And she's a master brand coach who has worked with some of the most recognizable brands in the world. She's an award-winning brand strategist and blogger. And Jay has used her expertise and influence to reach the masses and connect with audiences around the world. Her stories have been featured on Essence.com and the Huffington Post, and she has shared other stories on HuffPost Live and on the popular talk show uh, TD Jakes, which airs on BET. Jay is a highly sought after brand coach that teaches her proven strategies to business owners, helping them to consistently grow their brands. So Jay, how are you today?
1: I'm great, Shannon. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: I know. The emails have been flying back and forth between us. So what else would you add to that lineup there? Um, What are some of the brands that you've worked with in the past?
1: Uh, Well, Coca-Cola, Turner Broadcasting, um, uh, Delta Airlines, NASCAR, uh kind of an extensive list of the Fortune 100 Fortune 500 and then of course uh several high profile entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and um my clients have been featured you know in Black Enterprise Inc Fortune uh and also all over national national television and national media so uh
0: I love it I those. love it <laughs> yeah okay so today we are talking about a topic you know I'm passionate about. I do a lot of blogs about this. I have an upcoming seven-day free series that starts on November 1st, all about using your story to build your brand. So um, I know what I have to say about it, and I'm excited to learn from you today. And I think that's one of the great things uh, for our audience to realize is that if you really embrace this idea of collaboration and not competition <laughs> you will get a lot further in your brand and you can learn from, you know, different tactics from different people. So today we are talking about how to use your story to build your brand. And could you please tell us a little bit about how you came to be passionate about this topic and teaching it to others?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs probably have a very similar storyline and that they start out working in corporate America. And you know, when, when you start working in corporate America, I, I started in corporate America at like twenty one, right out of college. And you are very quickly poked and pummeled and in, into submission into the model of what it is to be a professional based on the organization you work with. So I think very early on for 15, first 15, 20 years of my, well the first 15 or so years of my career, it was uh, working for Fortune 100 companies, very white collar, and very much had to basically go to work every day and fake the font, put on the mask, you know, you show your best face, you know, fake it until you make it, all of this. (laughs) And um, even when I started my entrepreneurship, because those Fortune 500 people that I had worked for were now my clients. I still had to fake the funk. Well, I woke up about three years ago and I was stressed with clients and overwhelmed and underworked and I mean overworked, underpaid, and just a very unhappy person. And so I ended up uh, struggling with clinical depression, just really struggling every day to get out of the bed. Who hates their job when they're an entrepreneur? Well, I did. So how do you own your own business and wake up every day hating it? You take on clients that you don't like. You do projects that you hate. You work a schedule that you can't keep up with. And it makes for a very, very ugly experience. So here I am flying all over the country with high-profile clients, clients here, clients there, every conference in the world, every stage in the world, and I'm freaking miserable. And so I started to blog about it because I was basically, what I say, digging through ditches of hot shit in my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here and I'm doing all of this wonderful thing. I'm at Black Enterprise. I'm at the Inc. Conference. I'm all over the place. And then my personal life is just shit. And so I started to write about it. I think I started writing about it in Facebook notes. I wrote some stuff on relationships. That was the stuff that took off. That was the stuff that got viral. That was the stuff that made me start to talk my blog about my blog, because people knew me as a professional but they didn't know me as a person. And the main thing that everybody said was, I didn't know you had such a great sense of humor.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: how was I missing a key element of my personality in terms of what people were seeing and starting to know of me? And that was kind of the beginning of starting to peel back
0: the mask.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I want to ask, I, this is going to lead to some follow-up questions here. So are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I, you know, this is something I teach, and you've seen it come across wherever we hang out on the online world, and it's vulnerability sells. And does that mean we need to go out and and be vulnerable for the sake of selling something? No. But people more now so than ever are looking for a human connection to someone on the other side of the computer or the company or the brand. And so I find it so fascinating that once you – really started telling, you know, the behind the scenes of J-Stone and what was really happening on the the personal side, that's what eventually sold and you got a name for yourself. Would
1: you agree? I would agree. I would agree. Um, I definitely agree with you that transparency is the new game changer. It's the new thing. So there used to be, like I said, a time when people, you know, we came up with the where we had to get the fancy headshots, right? And you put on your power suit to let people know you were a real business owner, right? And now people <laughs> take pictures with their dogs and their kids sitting in their living room and plop them on their website, and they get just as much traffic as anyone else. They get just as many clients as anyone else because what people want now is they they understand who you are as a professional. They want to know you and trust you as a person, and that is the new game changer. Your credibility, your ability to make a human connection is your new currency. People are trading on that now. Mm, That's a really great point.
0: So we have this story, right, and we're going to talk about more of developing your your brand story or how to use your story to, to build a more successful brand. But before we get started, what do you think a successful brand, you know, that's using storytelling looks and feels like when a reader comes across it?
1: Okay. Well, first, one of the things I want to do is clarify when we say your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the definition gets a little cloudy for people when they say your story because they think it's a singular experience. And really <laughs> there's actually chapters to your story. Your story, uh, think of it in terms of a book. Every, a book has multiple chapters. At the end of the story, I mean, for us the end of the story is, you know, when we die. It's our demise. So for most people they have multiple chapters multiple inserts, multiple phases to their story. And I think people are looking for that one story that's exciting or that one story that will move a crowd, and it's not. It's a series of stories. It's a a book. And so just think of it in terms of chapters rather than a singular experience. That's the, the first thing. Because you tell that one story, once people have heard it three or four times, nobody wants to hear it again. So just think it's not a singular story. You've got to keep them coming back. And that means you've got to have several stories to tell. And so, just in my case, the media, different media has picked up different stories. So that's one point that I wanted to make. Um, Now, what was your question again? I'm sorry, I got carried away.
0: (laughs) No, that was a good uh, clarification. Uh, The question was, so now that we have our stories and we're using them, or we're going to be using them, how do we know what that looks and feels like when we come across someone doing that well? Okay.
1: And so it's all about the ability to connect. Um, there's a difference between using your story, telling your story from a skill set and telling your story by offering the experience. The way that you know that you're doing it successfully is when you get that email in your inbox and someone says, I felt like you were talking to me. I felt like you were telling my story. I so – Feel the exact same way, are you my twin? Get out of my head. you know the, the <laughs> connection really is there because people are starting you know they really connect with the story because it feels familiar, it feels safe, and it feels comfortable so of course you've got to pay attention to your audience and then the other way to tell is what 's the traffic light like? if you 're talking about a blog post if you 're talking about an event where you 're speaking, you know are you getting books for the next event right away? People will tell you what they like about you, what they, they'll tell you in their behavior. They may, and, and let me tell you something, you can be a bullshit artist and get up and do a speech and have 50,000 people tell you you were wonderful, and they might be selling you bull crap, right? The way that you know is when you get booked for your next speaking gig in that moment. Then you know that you've done your job to connect that when, people, when, when media comes to find you on your blog, that's when you know you're doing it. Your, when, when your traffic triples, that's when you know you're doing it. So number one, pay attention to the traffic and the audience. That's the first thing that tells you if you're doing the right job, making a real connection.
0: I really like that. And I just want to say, uh, you know, Jay, I published a book. It came out a couple months ago. <laughs> right, yes. Um, and congratulations and some... on that. Thank you very much. Uh, It's a memoir. Uh, For any of you who don't know, it's called Breaking the Silence, My Final 40 Days as a Public School Teacher, and I was scared to write this book. This book needed to be written. It was vulnerable. It's real. It's true. Um, So I could stand on all of that right when the questions started coming in, or, you know, I had to expose some real dirt in that book. But here's what I realized about exactly what you just said. The book has been out two months, and every day I open my inbox, and there's at least two or three people in there who have read the book somewhere in the world, and they have either thanked me for being the voice for public education and for teachers, which is quite the honor, I might say. That's not really what I set out to do. Or they have said things like, thank you, you are helping me heal, your words are helping me heal because I'm stuck in this career and I need to get out, you know, whatever. I have five years left until retirement. And thank you, thank you, thank you for, you know, writing the truth. And so I agree with you. The, when you're writing content and you're making that personal connection, you're going to hear about it, whether it's on Twitter, in your inbox, people are commenting on Facebook, they're booking you to come speak Whatever that thing is, that's, I think, when you know you kind of harness this power of your chapters and your stories and really letting your audience know what you are about.
1: You know, Shannon, you nailed something. Um, I think as a lot of my audience are women, right, and we are taught in business to come in business, leave your emotions out of it, you know, (laughs) leave your emotions out of it. This is the boardroom. There's no tears in the boardroom. kind of thing. And what it does is a lot of times it takes away the thing that is the most powerful for us. You said, I was scared, right? I was scared. That feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach where you're afraid to say it, you're afraid to talk about it out loud, that's probably the story that's going to get you the most leverage, the story that you're
0: most afraid to tell. Yes, that's the truth. And you know, famous blogger, um, don't ask me his name right now, because it's escaped me. However, he wrote a blog post called Write Epic Shit. And it was like, if you really want your business to grow, you've got to write really awesome content. And so it's that pit of the stomach feeling. And he talks about that. He says, if you are scared to push thinned push send and don't think twice about it again or push post or whatever it is that you're, you know, you're trying to get out there. And I sat down to um, take on Whoopi Goldberg of all people on The View for her views on teacher tenure, which was completely warped and not at all true. And I did this through a Huffington Post article. And I was sitting there, I had written the article and it was respectful and it was powerful and it was you know, it was true to what teachers really are facing in this nation and why we're really sick and tired of people in the media speaking about things that they don't know about because they're spreading lies, essentially, right? What you don't know and you speak about is not the truth. And I was sitting at the computer and I thought, oh, my God, I have just challenged Whippy Goldberg in this article, and I've told her why I'm she brings some real teachers on her show, and now I have a choice. I mean, they're going to push then or, you know, push post to Huffington Post, or I'm just going to, like, walk away, which is really what my stomach wanted me to do. But I did it. And that article, I think, had 100,000 shares within five or six days. Um, Mm -hmm. It went viral. I never got on the show, but it's not over yet. Like, this only happened a couple months ago, so I'm going to hit her back up again. Um, But, yes, so I think that's a really key point for everyone in the – the audience listening today, if you feel a little queasy in your stomach, or you're like, uh, oh, should I be talking about this? This is my brand, but it is part of my story. Do it. Just push a little bit past that fear, because that's what's going to make people relate to you in the end. Awesome. Okay, we're going to dive in today's topic. Um, we are breaking this idea of using your story to build your brand into four distinct uh, areas for our audience today. So Jay, one of the phrases you talk about, and I must say that I just love the wording, you know I'm all about wording, uh, is emotional nudist. You call yourself an emotional nudist. What, in your opinion, is an emotional nudist, and why is it so important to be emotionally nude when building a successful brand?
1: yeah and so for me um emotional nudity um was initially started out as just a phrase that I use in a couple of my um online groups, and they really liked it, and so it just became my hashtag. And so I just kind of became the emotional nudist and this is that other listen to your audience thing. The things that they respond to a lot of times are my most successful programs. But the reason why it's important is again because we transparency is the new game changer. People want to know who you are. They don't just need you to be a personable professional. They need you to be a person that they can connect to. People are dying. They are they are starving for real connection. It, we're, we live in a very lonely world, and with the rise of social media, we are just more and more isolated from each other. So a lot of times, even people that are, you know, married or people that have kids, a lot of times there's just a very, very lonely existence because we only connect on certain levels. We don't have the same sense of community that we had 15, 20 years ago, right? So we need to have the sense of community and the sense of connection. And so to feed that need, you, in order to do business, You've got to actually feel there's a connection. People do business with people that they like, know, and trust. They do business yes. with people that they like, know, and trust. And when you're faking it, they can tell that as well. And so what happens is when you fake it and you you have on a mask all the time, at some point it just gets to be old school for people, old hat, um, and they just kind of check out. They just kind of check out. They get it. Yeah, especially when it's just a sales pitch. And that's what I mean by connecting with people is not a skill set. It's an experience. That's great. Uh,
0: So I just have a question, uh, another question. And this, you know, you may experience this too. I work with, you know, a lot of people and they come, they want to find their brand story or develop their brand stories. I'll put a plural on there for you. (laughs) Um, They, you know, they want to make their brand more personable but sometimes you get or a lot of times you know the occasional it's one of two things either someone who's kind of shy has been in this corporate environment just like you talked about at the beginning of the call and they you know they've been silenced for so long and they don't think there's anything interesting to say or they don't want to put it all out there what kind of advice um would you give to this type of business owner
1: um one One of the the things that I do is I work with women to create a business model that works for their lifestyle um, Everybody can't be as transparent as I am. I recognize mm-hmm. that I built a business model that called into account my imperfections, and I did that intentionally right. So I have a business model that calls for the – you know, it, it accounts for the fact that I'm moody and some days I want to work and some days I don't, right? It <laughs> accounts for the fact that I'm really not an evening person, so I just don't book clients after 2 p.m. I built a business model to specifically work for me. So the first thing I'm going to do uh, is tell people, build a business model that works for your lifestyle. There's a lot of people that have, you know, special needs kids. They have crazy um, life schedules. The first thing is build a business model that works for you, and that includes your clients, okay? Um, if if you're at a point in your life where you feel the need to have more transparency and put up less of a face, it might be time to change your, your audience so that they can tolerate it, because every audience can't. So that's the first thing. Just look at that. It could be time to transition. Um, but there is a part of you that has to always consider who the target market is because it has to be about what they can tolerate. Everybody has a story to tell, but you have to be careful about who you decide to tell it to because the audience may not be prepared to hear it. So I think always consider who you're telling that story to. Um, And you don't have to tell the story with a lot of depth. Remember, it's not about the details. It's about the experience. So what experience can you offer your current target market that tells them a little bit more about who you are? So, for example, let's just say you have a Fortune 500 client. They're very white-collar, very stuffy. Maybe you're not telling them the story of a childhood trauma. Maybe you're telling them about the time you skinned your knee falling off the monkey bars and the lesson you learned behind that. That's still a story that tells who you are as a person, how did you learn your life lesson, and how that life lesson has carried you through uh, your life. And so it doesn't have to be uh, peeling back the layers and letting you see my pain kind of story. It can be a surface, this is who I am, this is an experience that I had, um, and this is the lesson that I learned that made me the person that I am today.
0: That's really good. So we have been talking about, you know, advice for people who might be shy or need to... um, you know, might be a little scared to put their story out there. And we're moving into the topic two now, which is tips to begin the process of finding our brand story. So we know we need to keep our audience in mind, of course. And I don't know about you, but I talk about this all the time. Who is your audience? Who are you trying to reach? Who are you speaking to? And if you're on this call right now and you cannot answer that with like a specific person – Name the person, give the person an age, give the person an ethnicity or at least a couple of ethnicities that may be attracted to what you're doing. Give the person a gender. You have to be so specific and build this kind of, you know, persona is what I call it when the brand, you know, I'm branding. Because if you're just spouting stuff out there and you think it's great stuff but nobody's listening to you, you're not going to get much traction that way, right? So... I guess the next part is what tips do you have for finding our brand stories? I mean, you're telling me that we have lots of them. So how do we go about this?
1: Yeah, I'd say say sit down and make yourself a list of aha moments, those experiences and those things that kind of crafted you into the person that you are today. I think that that's really, really key to understand the person that you are today and how you got there. So if I I know I told one of my stories is – about me and the monkey bars and meeting my best friend at elementary school on the monkey bars um, because she pushed me off the monkey bars. And so just sometimes people look like an enemy, but if you actually take time to get to know them, then they could end up being someone pivotal. And so those are the kinds of things. Look for your little aha moments. Sometimes they're big aha moments that change the trajectory of your life, and sometimes they're just the little things that left a big impression
0: that's good okay so we're going to make a list and we're going to think about little and big aha moments and how they kind of uh crafted us molded us into the person we are today and then now we're going to talk about national media and we have our brand stories, we're telling them, whatever's happening, right? We're blogging, we're using Facebook. You mentioned some really great tools, that, and I know you've done even some video. Um, so once we find our brand stories, how can we get them picked up by national media?
1: Okay, so there's two <laughs> things that you have to absolutely do. Um, one thing is be Googleable, if that's even a word. I'm going to make it a word today. You have to be Google-friendly. Media artists, media professionals now, um, reporters, they don't just go, um, you know, out and look at research libraries and things like that. They Google everything. They Google everything. Mm -hmm. So you have to be coming up in the search engines. That's the reason why my website is a WordPress website, because it doesn't matter what I do, a blog post, an event, whatever. Everything goes on the website, WordPress has a great built-in tagging system that allows for keywords. It's so search engine friendly. Google loves WordPress, and it constantly comes up. The other thing is my blog also is on the front of my website. And the reason why it's on the front page is because Google's search engine goes out every night and looks for content on the front home page. If nothing on the home page of your website is changed or different or new, it kind of skips over it, and it does not index it. And so it's important to, if you've got a blog, um, to put that on the front of the website or update the front of your website frequently enough so that Google continuously finds you. But the blog is definitely the best way to do it. Um, blogging, video, um, are definitely the best ways to get picked up by major media. Um, you have to be providing content that's relevant to to your not only your audience but the audience that they serve. And Google will help them find you. So the first thing I'm going to say is be Googleable. <laughs> um, the second thing, which for me, by far has been the number one thing. It's the second thing on the list, but it's the number one thing to do, and that's tweet, 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 and tweet some more, and then tweet your ass off some more when you're done. Okay? <laughs> tweet,
0: tweet, tweet your ass
1: off. <laughs> right. Twitter is an amazing tool, and all 100% of major media outlets have a, uh, have a presence on Twitter. All right? So would you like to know the best kept secret for Twitter?
0: Yes, we want to know. We're dying.
1: The best kept secret for Twitter is the Twitter search tool, right? (laughs) You don't just use it for hashtags, right? You can actually type in something like Huffington Post editor and hit enter, and it will give you a list of everybody that has HuffPost editor in their profile listed. So there you've got all the editors for HuffPost Live or HuffPost or whatever publication or media outlet you want, Good Morning America, wherever you want to get found. Generally, the editors and producers, they slap that stuff right in their profile description. And guess what? It comes up. So guess what you do? You go and follow them. You go and follow Mm -hmm. them. If you follow them, they generally will follow you back. Now, here's the other trick. The third tip is relationship building.
0: Okay? This is the because, part – I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. Sure, sure. If I can, please. <laughs> this is the part that when I mastered, and I had, it took me a while, because one, I really hated Twitter. I'm a writer, you know, Jay. So like 140 characters just isn't good for me. However, I've learned how to do it now. I'm, I'm on board. Um, I I learned about the search bar, and I did exactly what you said. And then I knew the piece was missing was the relationship piece. Because if you're just constantly spouting out information and not interacting, it's not helping anyone. So please take it away.
1: Uh, Yes, the relationship piece. And so – I followed all of these people on Twitter, and and listen, I didn't follow them because they were editors and producers. I followed them because I read something online, I liked what they read, and I decided, let me go and follow the writer or the blogger that wrote this. And many times, it ended up being the producer or the editor, right? And so... It was starting from the relationship first. And so when I go and say, hey, I love your content, your article this, 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 I relate it because of that, and blah, blah, blah. And then I read their body and I was like, oh, this is somebody significant, but that wasn't why. And so I genu- genuinely liked their content. I genuinely liked their websites. Because, see, this is what they, you don't know. Producers are people, too. Editors are people, too, okay? So they want to be connected to, inspired. They don't want to be treated as a means to an end. But if you're pitching them with their first connection, you're automatically shut down. So here's why I have never, not once, ever, ever pitched a media outlet, ever, okay, ever, and I've been featured on all of them. Why? Because I built the relationship, I produced quality, kick-ass content, and then they came to me. All right, and then once one of them comes to you, the other ones will follow because they all read and follow each other. And so, I built relationships. So I'm going to tell you this secret because I I can't stress the relationship building a lot because I've got a fourth tip. I can't stress relationship building enough. Okay, because if you follow football, right, and you're a football fan, and you know that one of the other producers is a football fan, you guys may connect over football, it may be a year later before they even see an opportunity to plug you in, but you stay top of mind because you're their football, Twitter football buddy, okay? So the relationship building is key. Stop looking for the opportunity to sell and keep <laughs> the opportunity to connect. Stop trying to sell and start connecting, okay? I love that. Yeah. Yes. And, and so that's these- key. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just kick- I'm getting carried away here. This is my stuff. This is my shit right here. I'm I'm in the sweet spot. Okay.
0: You go. You go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so the fourth thing is, of course, like I said, people are um, producers and all that. They are people too. But be consistent. Be consistent with posting kick-ass content. That doesn't mean every week. That might mean twice a month, right? But – uh, my editor from essence essence she followed me online for a year on all my social media instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and she went to my blog and The first thing she was looking for is who was I attracting right and how frequently was I posting content and was it all Good content. Everything wasn't a home run. Everything wasn't a home run, but it just kept people coming back over and over and over again, and because guess what? They wanted to draw that kind of traffic to Essence. And so she watched me for a year. I'm going to repeat that, a year. So people are watching you in your brand building process, even when they're not commenting. So she watched me for a year before she came to me and said, hey, can you write something for us? So that consistency, consistent kick-ass content, that's the way I'm going to label that one. Consistent kick-ass content is the way to go.
0: I love that. And I want to say, because, you know, I teach content strategy and how to get all of your content aligned with X, whatever X is. Is it to build a stronger brand presence, okay? We're going to set a date. We're going to work backwards, and we're going to talk about the content you need for this brand or a rebrand? I work with people who are rebranding too. Um, Or is your content, does all the next eight weeks of content need to lead up to a live or virtual workshop you're giving, paid or not, right? So how can we position all of that content to do that? And that's kind of um, where I come in, I think, with especially in branding. But something you said is so super important that a lot of people just don't get and it's content is a long-term strategy. Blogging is a long-term strategy. Email marketing with good content is a long-term strategy. And I think the biggest frustration I have is somebody that works with clients who know they need to blog, but three months in they're like, it's not working. Well, guess what? I've been blogging for what? two or three years now, it's working. It's working wonders. And so the fact that you said the editor was watching you for a year before anything was done, it proves the point that we're talking long-term strategy here, right? We're not talking like flash in the pan, now you're famous. You actually have to work at it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't write one post that went – I bought one, that one post, that one kick-ass post got their attention. It didn't right. get me the contract. And so you can't write a couple of posts and think that it gets your attention because what they don't want is an inconsistent contributor.
0: Yes, that's, that's true. Okay, good. Awesome. So uh, we land these national media things, let's say. It happens. We're going to speak it into existence. You know I'm all into speaking what you want into existence. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm sure it comes with unique challenges along the way, right? So uh-huh. Uh-huh. what can you – add to the conversation on
1: that yeah i think that you have to think about whatever your worst fear is like the reason that you're not you're afraid of the media coverage or your biggest fear that something is going to happen or somebody's going to find out about something or people are going to say something consider your worst fear and prepare for the when it happens because it will And so I know that that scares the shit out of a lot of people. But if you're not prepared for it, let's just say it doesn't happen, right? And it it likely will. Let's just say it doesn't happen, then that's fine. But when you're not prepared for it, it will knock you on your ass, and many times you won't recover. So you have to prepare for your absolute worst nightmare. If you've got a, a prison record and you don't want people to know about it, the best thing to do is to publish the prison record um, or at least be prepared for how you're going to handle it when it happens. Um, I think that you have to prepare for the worst um, in that. And that that's just the pitfall of being high profile. Everybody wants the media coverage, but um, there's a lot that comes with it. There's the scrutiny. There are, there's definitely the online cyberbullying that comes oh, yeah. with it. So you have to really insulate yourself from that. You have to reinforce your ego, um, your intelligence, and your support system to counter that or to at least navigate through that. It is horrible. It is, um, well, horrible. That's the only other way, word I can say. It's awful. Um. And I would say the first time that it happened to me was in the thousands, Right, the first time it happened to me in the thousands, I called my editor at Essence dot com and I said I, I want to quit. And she's like, Who quits Essence? Right? Who quits Essence or Huffington Post? I was like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm not even famous. <laughs> like it's like I'm not even like Kim Kardashian famous, right? I'm just like <laughs> blo- I'm just I'm just not even blogger famous. I'm like blogger high profile. And I was like, if, if I get any more popular, I don't want it. And she was like, Okay, so here's the deal. This is your rite of passage. All of the top people, all of the best people go through this at some point. It just means that you have arrived and you're relevant. So now when I get the hate mail, I'm like, yay, I'm relevant. <laughs> you know, I, I was so proud of myself for years saying, I don't have pay- haters. I just have people who don't love me yet. I don't have haters. Okay, I got haters, right? I got haters. <laughs> now I got haters. And I'm like... All of a sudden, and it's, that's that's when you know you're doing, you, you are kicking ass. That's when you know when you're killing the game, when you have real life people that troll your blog just to poke fun, people who look at your Facebook page just to debate with you. That's when you know you've arrived, because you're clearly saying something really important. So, uh,
0: I yeah. love that, and I'm going to say, um, you know, I would, I, I'm laughing because I'm relating with you. Like, I was, you know, whatever. My memoir came out. Now I'm, like, really speaking about some stuff, you know, in the education front on Huffington Post. And it's kind of scary because there's a lot of teachers. And I can't speak for every teacher. You know, everyone's different, unique, has a unique experience. Um, and then you have all the parents that weigh in on what you said. And then sometimes the students who are in college. And anyway, I publish a blog uh, on Huffington Post and there were some haters on there and i was so upset i said to my husband one night over dinner i said i can't believe these people the things that they say they're so mean and he said babe you have arrived haters gonna hate you have (laughs) arrived (laughs) and let me
1: tell you they don't want you they come like, after you, honey, and you I bad. tell people this. If you've got a physical imperfection, because they don't know anything about your personality. They don't know anything about your character. Um, I saw one guy on Twitter. They said, he said something he didn't like. They went on you know, him so bad, and they went and found his mugshot from, like, college, you know. So the, <laughs> I don't know where they pulled it from. But, um, you know, one of my stories, one of my chapters in my book is my battle with obesity, and so I was every kind of fat bitch under the sun. I really was. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter if you've got buck teeth or whatever you got, just own that. And now it's like I wrote a blog post that said, that says why, you know, my whole movement for, towards obesity is why she's so fat. So I stopped giving the power, that their words, the power that they intended them to have. Because you call me fat, right? You fat bitch. Okay, I'm fat. Some days I can be a bitch. Okay, what else you got? (laughs) (laughs) Because now what does that mean? What does that mean? You're correct. I agree with you. I should lose weight. I'm working on that. What else you got, right? Stop giving people so much power over you and your life. They don't know you, and they have absolutely no influence over where you end up. So don't give them your power. Don't give their words your power. Um, They haven't earned that. So until you know my journey, you're not qualified to judge me.
0: Mm -hmm. That is beautiful language right there. I might have to steal that from you. (laughs) (laughs) The word ambassador here is going to take some words. I will give you credit, though, because I do that. Um, Okay. So here we are. We've got the media's attention. We've got haters, so we're all good. We've got (laughs) haters, yeah. (laughs) We know that we have arrived. Um, So how do we generate revenue from being, you know, this authentic voice, authentic blogger? And what I really want to know after you answer that is if you'll take us through like an average week in the life of Jay Stone, the authentic blogger who's generating revenue from it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. So – uh blogging in and of itself, it does not pay it does not pay okay not really i mean there there certainly certainly you can get paid as a contributor and blogger, but you can pay you know two three, four five hundred bucks for a blog post It's certainly gen- not going to pay your mortgage on a consistent basis right so there are a few things that you kind of do um that work really, really well. The first thing is to create great um affiliate programming um and so there are a few brands that I utilize uh, their products and services, and you know I create affiliate links to direct other people to those products and services. So affiliate marketing really does work. Um, I hate the ones where you go to somebody's website and it's like fifty thousand ads all over the website. You can't even have the, the brand experience because you've got ads popping up all over the place and ads, and you know, it slows your computer down because the ads <laughs> are rotating and spinning around. I can't stand that. Um, and so mine are generally a lot more hidden and embedded and kind of weaved throughout my blog posts and things like that. Um, so affiliate marketing is, is, is a definite way, but you, you need the traffic to support that. Um, you won't see it if you've got 500 visitors a month. Um, however, if you make an extra 50 bucks a month, who couldn't use that with the gas prices, right? So, affiliate marketing is marketing is one of those things. Um, advertisers, companies come to me all the time and said, "Hey, can we actually buy ad space on your site?" Now, I'm careful about that. Again, I don't like the junky websites. I don't like those. Mm-hmm. Um, But people will come. It has to be related to something that my audience can use. I will not just allow people to come and just push ads and content. But that that is an option. Um, But probably, you know, the place, I make the most money doing three things, okay? Um, I offer services. I actually am a brand coach. Blogging is a marketing strategy for me. Um, (laughs) Blogging is not my job. Uh, It is a marketing strategy. It is a very effective (laughs) Marketing strategy it is a very cheap and effective marketing <laughs> strategy, okay and so um, so I actually offer services I offer coaching brand coaching services and brand coaching related services um, and then I actually do events I host events, I host my own um, brunch series i will I get paid to host events for other brands, so brands will come along and say, "Hey, we'll pay you." To host an event and invite your audience, because the key here is if I've got enough, I've got a large enough following to say to fill the room. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's one thing. And so, getting people to visit your blog and getting people to show up at a live event are two different things. And so oh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's it's a very different type of loyalty to get people to physically show up versus clicking a button. And so when you get to the point where you can have people physically show up, um, that's one thing. And for me, people will fit, not only physically show up, they often pay to come to my events. And so, but that's about the loyalty and the relationships that I've built with the audience. So um, events and hosting events, event hosting is huge. Um, like I said, brands pay for that. And then social media campaigns. I, I just finished uh, two campaigns with McDonald's um, and one with Hyundai um, just last month. Well, no, this month, this month. And so brands come to you, and they will actually pay you um, to do, host an event. To um, And when I say host an event, they, that mean, I mean sometimes the events are online um, to promote things. We, uh, McCafe had a, a, a giveaway. And so um, we did that. We helped them coincide with their promotions. And this is not like, oh, you write a blog post promotion. This is, you know, the National Marketing Agency for McDonald's calls you, picks up the phone, and, you know, has a conversation with you about their ongoing marketing initiatives so that your brand buys into that.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: um, it's pretty exciting to get that. And so that pays the bills, but by far – My big ticket, I I make my living off of brand coaching.
0: Yeah. That's what I do. And, you know, um, so I products. I'm sorry, products. Products. I forgot to say products.
1: Products. Sure. Not just services, but products. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so products that people can buy to actually learn the stuff that you know.
1: Right, correct. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Um, One of the things, you know, I I get a lot of service-based entrepreneurs, just like you and me. Mm -hmm. and. They come to me and they're like, yeah, but what am I going to talk about on my blog? There's like only so many things. And I I take them through my blog brainstorm activity. And in about 20 minutes, they have post 52 post ideas for the next year. Like I don't ever want them to come back to me for a year and say they don't have anything to talk about. Because I think once you can get the topics down that you're passionate about and that you know about and really help somebody do that, The services will sell and the products will sell, but you have to be blogging to get your expertise out there and to get your brand voice out there and to get your knowledge out there and to get people to follow you and really listen to what you're saying.
1: I agree. I think that, too, I think that sometimes people are very singularly directed in terms of what their brand is. Um, Remember, people want to know who you are as a person. I get more Twitter, I get Twitter followers from two things, right? When I teach a class, like I'm doing now, because I get tons of tweets, Um, when I teach a class or speak at a live event, but you know where I get the most followers from in almost a single day? Every Thursday night, my scandal tweets. My scandal tweets. (laughs) My tweets for scandal, how to get away with murder. I mean, I'm when I tell you that I get like rolling out magazine, magazines and the, um, the dot-coms pick up my tweets as like favorite tweets of the night, best Twitter, whatever for events. So live tweeting for events like the Super Bowl and stuff, live tweeting for stuff like that gives me so many followers. So, so I think that that's kind of a little-known secret is live tweeting is a huge way um, to pull people in. Um, but it's more important to, um, oh, well, no, it's not more important. That's it. That's a huge way to pull people in.
0: Live tweeting. That's great. Well, Jay, this has just been so awesome having you with us today and sharing your expertise with More people, uh, you know, we've got people from my audience here and your audience and probably new audiences because we've been tweeting about it uh, for a couple weeks now. Um, Can you tell us about an upcoming program or product you're excited about?
1: Yes. So, um, if anybody's in Atlanta, I actually have one of my brunches coming up on November 16, 2014, and so it's jstone.com forward slash brunch. And that's great event we're doing a glam class it'll be awesome so um that's one thing and you can always follow that uh that that url to find out when the next brunch is um but uh i always have ongoing coaching programs so if you go to com, work with me um but i think the most popular program i've got right now two two really popular programs and <clears throat> The 90 days to more media and more money, that coaching program really allows us to set out a a 90-day plan for you to kind of get where you need to be to get the media coverage. And, of course, the other program um, that is the more popular is story coaching, really helping you sit down and find that uh, story or series of stories um, that's going to really attract the right audience, the right media, and build your brand and build your credibility. So if you're interested in either of those, you can go to um, email me at, coachme at jstone.com and um, I will send you the link to either of those programs. Let me know if you want the More Media program or the Story Coaching program, and I can send you the link if you go to coachme at jstone.com. And of course, I always just offer general um, brand clarity coaching, brand exposure coaching, um, pretty much visual brand coaching, um, anything related to helping you get your brand to the next level except uh, the contest stuff. That's where I partner with Shannon for.
0: That's right, <laughs> collaboration, not competition. That's what I say. Uh, great. And how about your Twitter handle? Just in case people don't know, where can they find you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, and so it's Jstone. It's kind of got a weird spelling. It's J A I, S T O N E, Stone dot com. Thank you. At Jstone. At Jstone and Jstone. dot com. And I'm at Jstone on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Everywhere it's the same.
0: Yeah, we'll find you. <laughs> All we have to do is Google you because you're Google. <laughs> I'm
1: Googleable. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Well oh, thank, thank you for you. having thank me. You. Thank you. Thank you for um coming on. And uh we do this twice a month, so I hope you'll plug in and, and hear some more uh strategies from some other people in the realm of branding. Our next one is November fifth at twelve PM. Eastern time, so that's noon, um, I have Jules Tagger on from Amp and Pivot, and she's going to be talking about how to know and navigate a relaunch in your business. So it's going to be perfect. Um, And a thank you, thank you to all of our listeners. Please reach out to Jay and I via social media. Of course, you know we're going to engage and connect with you there. And until next time, I am Shannon Hernandez, the writing whisperer.